Well, good morning. Good to see everybody. Um, I'm Pastor Chris. I'm one of the staff pastors here. Uh, Pastor David, he's on vacation with his wife, Lisa, and so they're enjoying some sun, getting some respite and recovery, so I get to fill in this morning. Excited to do so. Uh, I get to talk about the pretty much my favorite subject ever. This was, in fact, the feeling or emotion I got after I gave my life to Jesus Christ right at the age of 20, and uh, I get to talk about joy this morning, a subject of joy. I don't think we can ever have enough joy, can we? It's one of those things that we just want more and more and more and can never get enough. Well, at the same time, it seems like one of those things that uh, is most difficult to maintain and sometimes even get. I was just talking to a friend about this message this week, and when I mentioned joy, and he was like, he has, he's not local, he's in Sacramento, and he was like, is there a way I can listen to that message? I can use more joy. And I was like, yeah, I think we can all agree with that statement. I remember when I first came across the verse that we're going to kind of start off with this morning, and I remember it vividly because uh, I was still kind of a beginner in my walk with Jesus, and I was new to the Bible, and there was a lot of those scriptures that you read in the Bible for the first time, you're like, wow, like that just really gets you. And this was one of them, and it was on the subject matter of joy. It's in 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. It's real simple, and it's where the Apostle John opens with, we write this to make your joy complete. We write this to make your joy complete. And I remember being stunned by this because my first thought was, no way. This is too good to be true. That word, complete. You see, I experienced joy in Jesus Christ when I gave my life to him because even by the age of 20, life had already taught me that it's so brutal that I didn't really have anything more to live for. I didn't really see any point in going on. And that was at the age of 20. And I'm not alone in that. There's a lot of teenagers that by the time they're a teenager, they've given up on life because life has already been so brutal to them, they don't see any point in continuing to move on and continuing to exist. Thankfully, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I experienced a joy that no person or no set of circumstances could compare to. And I realized that that's what I was missing that whole time in my life. That yes, life is brutal, but Jesus is greater. And that changed everything for me. And when I felt his forgiveness wash away all of the weight, all of the wounds, all of the sin, the first emotion I remember feeling was incredible, unforgettable joy. And that joy is still with me to this day and keeps me going. But what I didn't realize that 1 John chapter 1, verse 4 brought out is that there's more. That it wasn't just simply the joy that I felt when I gave my life to Jesus. John says that there's more, that God's inviting us to joy complete, to complete joy. This made me think of other words like total, full, lasting joy. And again, I kept pondering over this verse, is such a thing possible? And yet deep down, it did resonate with me. You see, this apostle was not talking about a term paper or another day at work where we naturally think, all done, finished, move on. He's not talking about that. He's talking about joy, which means that if he's saying that he wrote this to make our joy complete, that's a totally different thing altogether because joy, if it's complete, means it's unending. It keeps going, undiminished. I don't know about you, that sounds impossible 
unless there's a God. And thank goodness there is. If God's word says it, then it must be true. And I would not have thought so unless God had said so. I would not get my hopes up in this area, and a lot of you are in the same category, that hope to you is dangerous because when your hope goes up and the joy goes with it, something happens that dashes it and then you never want to hope again. But God's word is designed to challenge our faith. It's challenged to, to, to challenge my faith, my status quo, that I'm not supposed to settle for less but believe everything that God says and everything he has and to pursue that. And his word says that he has joy. Perfect, complete, total, unending, incredible joy. You see, whenever something is written in the scriptures, even if it uses the we, if it's in the scriptures and it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, he moved the authors. You can always put in there the I, as if God's speaking in first person. So it's not just we write this. You can fill it in and go, I write this. I, God, write this to make your joy complete. And the reality is we all want this, this feeling of Disney repeated eternally. I told the first service, it was not until I moved to Red Bluff, I met so many people who were in love with Disney. It's hilarious. And if you're like, I do not like Disney, then fill in the blank with whatever makes you happy. But the reality is, is it's also the very thing that frustrates us the most. Because eventually we know we must leave the park and then with it the joy begins to fade. Wedding days, delivery rooms, dream jobs. Every time we go, here it is. I'm finally going to be happy forever. This is what I've always longed for. And then there's bad breath and dirty diapers and health insurance. And the joy goes down the tank with it. Joy is the best and the worst at the same time. Which is why most people give up. They become pessimists. They start to think joy is a dream and a fantasy. It's better not to hope at all. Just strap in, toughen up, and brace life is what they say. But really, deep down, they've just given up. But here's the problem. Joy always finds a way to steal back in, reminding us that it is bigger than us. That stupid movie where the dog dies. You could have the most hardened person in the room, some man who hasn't cried in 40 years, and then he watches the movie, and the dog dies at the end, and this miracle takes place where a tear drops and some joy settled in, and they're like, how did this happen? I hate this movie. <laughs> or you get the dreaded phone call from the hospital, but ends with everything's okay. The joy steals in. Or my son Christian, where I could be having the worst morning in the world. And then he comes up to me and says, Papa, I want to snuggle. And then my heart melts every time. God will always make sure that joy finds a way. Then, on the other side of the spectrum are the romantics. We've got the pessimists over here. You got the romantics over here. Pessimists hate the romantics. 
Because the romantics act like everything is joy. Like everything is worthy of a smile. Like the child that won't listen. That is not smile worthy. Or the partner that doesn't seem to care anymore. It's not smile worthy. Or the strange man that is heading straight for our children. Not smile worthy. But to the romantic, it's all joy. It's a desperate kind of a smile. You see, on both sides, neither are true joy. One has given up in their way of looking at it, but the other one has also given up in their way of looking at it, but both are the same. Can I just say I'm so thankful that true joy is neither of those and is better than those? And that that is what God is offering us? So what is real joy and how do we get it? And should we even expect it? We already answered the third question. Absolutely we should expect it because scripture says it. And I don't know about you, I am not prepared to call God a liar. So if he says I've written this to make your joy complete, then I'm like, yes, sir, just tell me what to do because I want more joy. And I would rather say yes to you and believe you than to give up. So then what is joy? In my experience, I would define joy as this. It is that wholehearted resilience towards life in general. It's a wholehearted resilience towards life in general. It's that attitude of I'm never giving up and I'm even believing for greater things. I'm in this to the end and I'm all in. Joy is wholehearted. It's all of us going after everything that God has and not giving up. That's the resilient side. Joy is wholehearted and resilient. It is resilient and wholehearted. It's all in. You see, your joy doesn't come from trying to hold joy. That's the best way to lose joy. The best way to gain joy is to go after life with everything you've got and stop giving up and believing God for greater things. Now, I know there might be some of you fussing right now because I didn't mention Jesus or God yet. And you're right, I didn't because I haven't got there yet. I'm still priming the pump and wetting the appetite, which is this. True joy is the result of a wholehearted, resilient desire to live this life to the full and never give up and believe for greater things. If you will hold on to that, not only will you realize you're a happier person, it is going to make you more dependent on God than you've ever been in your entire life because it is not achievable unless you're rooted in the Almighty, which is kind of the point. That is supposed to be what we're proclaiming to the world. Amen? Now, How do we get this joy? Which brings us back to our text. We write this to make your joy complete. Now, we don't have time to tackle the whole letter, but we do have time for verses one through three. So that's what we're gonna do this morning. We're gonna read it together and then I'll unpack it and how it relates to joy. So we're gonna start in verse one. First John chapter one, verse one. Perfect. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, 
which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you this eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship was the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our or your joy complete. So the first thing that we see here is that true joy can only come from the true Jesus. True joy can only come from the true Jesus. That means the Jesus the apostles knew or what the church calls apostolic faith. This means faith in the Jesus that the scriptures declare. Not in the Jesus of our dreams or our imagination or the latest greatest book we have read. This is huge because if we are not in true relationship with the true Jesus, then we will not experience true joy because a fake Jesus will never give you true joy. It always starts here. You can actually have a vivid and, 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 and a big prayer life, but if your prayer life is in fact approaching the wrong Jesus, your joy will not come out of your prayer life. Because we have to make sure that the Jesus that we're focused on, the Jesus that we have faith in, is the Jesus of the apostles, the Jesus of the gospels. So condition number one for true joy is it can only come from the true Jesus, the real savior, the real lamb. Notice how many times John emphasizes this. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, seen, looked at, touched, the life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us because our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus. John is literally at pains, repeating himself over and over that only true joy, joy complete, can come from knowing the Jesus that John knew and no other. That he alone can make our joy complete that all other ideas about God or Jesus are incomplete. I said this in the first service. Fake Jesuses are like fake sugar. They taste weird and will always let you down. If you're noticing your joy is not there anymore, it's fading or something is up, one of the best things you can do, according to John, is to go back to that place of, am I, am I really worshiping the Jesus that saved my soul? Am I really letting him in and ministering to me as he used to? It all starts with making sure that you know the true Jesus. I remember once I went to Rayleigh's and I wanted some pie and so I got a pie and brought it home. I was so excited to eat it. Took my first bite. Didn't taste right. Mm-mm, something's very wrong with this pie. Let Sheena try and she said, Ew, what's this pie? And then I knew it. 
I went back to that package, and there was a sticker. And guess what it said? They know they should call it fake, fake sugar. Don't tell me sugar freeze, fake sugar. In the same way, fake Jesuses let us down. But the real risen one, he lifts you up every time. You could come to him as a basket case. You could come to him as just relapsed into the worst sin. But the real Jesus really forgives and really lifts you back up. The fake Jesus doesn't do that. Did you know that Satan likes to masquerade as Christ? You got to watch the whispers of your heart. Jesus, true Jesus, is Savior. Trust me, did not go to the trouble of dying on a cross for your sins unless he was planning on raising you up despite your sins. Amen? He's a good God, and he is mighty to save. So where should we start with joy? Where John does, Jesus, the true Jesus. Which leads us to condition number two for joy, complete, is friendship. Real joy flows from real friendship with Jesus because Jesus is a good friend and good friends bring joy. Did you know friendship is one of the greatest gifts in life? It is one of the greatest gifts in life to have people in your life who love you and like you. You ever had that moment? If you're married, you get in an argument with a spouse, you're like, I love you, but I don't like you right now, right? But when there's liking on both sides, like the best feeling in the world, right? Friendship is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to know that I can like somebody and they like me back. And when that is deep, then we call it love. In a marriage, if the friendship goes out of the marriage, the marriage goes cold every time. What brings warmth and fire to a marriage? It's the friendship aspect of it. In the same way, my friends, it works in our relationship with God. You see, the important question when it comes to joy is this. Not just is Jesus your God or Savior or Lord, though those are true, those are foundational, but the one that brings the joy is, is he your friend? That's where you foster joy. Is Do you know that if God had a Facebook account, he would friend request you? I want you to be, that's true. If God had a Facebook account, he would friend request you. And what would you do? You would probably go, this is all. I don't know if I'm ready for God to see all my stuff on my Facebook page. <laughs> Let's be real. And then that's when Jesus will smile. And he would say, I already know all your business. I'm still friend requesting you already knowing. Amen. How does that make you feel? Oh, I want to I spend time with that kind of Jesus. He knows me through and through. He is not like all the people I worry about that judge me. Jesus has already judged you fully, and he is still saying, I'd like to be your friend. Would you like to be mine? You see, the cool thing about friendship 
is it's not just about getting stuff from each other. Friends just like hanging out with each other, right? The joy is in the friendship. The joy is in knowing the person. It's the same with God. There's actually a place that God just wants us to enjoy him and him to, and us to enjoy that he enjoys us. Literally, it's a real friendship that the joy isn't just going, God, give me joy. The Lord's like literally going, you're friends with me. Remember that. You're friends with me. I've got you. I love you. You can tell me anything. You can pray for anything. I may not give you everything you want, but God's a good friend. He's the best friend. Did you know there's only one thing that makes me mad towards God? There's only one thing. Everybody else in my life, I can pick multiple things that make me mad. Disgruntled. Dissatisfied. But there's only one thing that makes me mad about God every time, and it's this. He won't give me what I want when I want it. That's it. Otherwise, he's awesome. And even that doesn't really work because the only reason it doesn't give me what I want when I want it is because he's smart and I'm not. Why won't you give me what I want? He'll be like, did you do that when they were two? And I'm like, are you saying I'm two? And Jesus would totally with a smile on his face say, yeah, sometimes you do act like you're two. John says genuine joy comes from fellowship or friendship with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. It's right there. That means a loving two-way relationship. So a good question again is when it comes to your joys, the second question or condition is, is God your actual friend? Are you friends with the Almighty? And if not, then get a move on it. How does one have friendship with God? I can hear someone ask. I can, have, I can make friendships, you know, with my wife because I can see her. I can tell if she likes me, doesn't like me. I've gotten really good at that. In the same way she can tell me, how do, you, how do you be friends with God? Well, John says in the same way as if you're friends with him. He says fellowship with us is fellowship with God. In other words, it works the same way. So this means start just talking with God. Talk to God about what's on your heart and what's on your mind. We call that prayer. Start spending time with God. We call that solitude. That's very different than loneliness. You see, loneliness is a satanic deception to get you to forget that God is omnipresent and your friend all the time. That's Satan going, you're all alone, which is literally not true. Solitude is when you start resisting Satan and embracing the truth. God is with me always and I'm with him always because he is everywhere always. So solitude is finally resting in the truth. I'm never alone but I might need to foster my relationship with him so that I feel that, that I feel that more and more and more. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. One of the most difficult parts about building a friendship with God at first is he's invisible. That's just a problem, okay? Get over it. He's invisible, all right? Let's just like, I think a lot of times people in church forget that for people who are new believers. They're like, yeah, start a friendship with God. And then they go like, oh, well, How? I can't touch him, I can't feel him. You know, Jesus is up there now. Maybe it was easier when he was down here, but he's not. What do we do? He's invisible. That just means trust him to reveal himself. If you will do these things like talking with him, learning about him from the scriptures, coming to church and celebrating him together, you will just discover he's really good at revealing himself to you in his ways. I can't put it into words. I just tell you he does. Amen? And can I tell you when he does, when you start to foster that relationship in faith and he starts to reveal himself, I will tell you what's something cool. God becomes more real to you than anybody else. 
They could disappear and he will never disappear. They could pass away and, and you just know he can never pass away. It is worth developing friendship with him because trust me, that level of safety and security begins to pervade your soul because he's radically different than anything else. So start to build that friendship with God as you would with anybody else. And trust me, he's gonna start revealing himself to you and it's awesome. This also leads to one other thing. Because it's a real friendship, you have to keep in mind that it grows over time, like all friendships. Friendship with God takes time and effort, and it develops, and with it, so will our joy. This debunks a common myth that a lot of people think when they come in a relationship with Jesus that God should just give them all their joy at once and something's wrong if that's not what happens. That they want to high that's not joy. Real relationships don't work that way because we all know great relationships take work and effort. And you might be going, well, that's not fair because God's perfect. And then God's going to go, you're not. The issue was never on his side. The issue was on ours. You will grow in joy to the degree you mature. That's how it goes. The maturest Christians who are willing to go through everything for Jesus Christ without forsaking him, they are the happiest people on the planet and it's hard to get them down. Why? Because they've chosen to mature. It's the immature Christians that can never hold on to joy or keep joy because they're not actually growing. They just want the candy bar. They're not interested in the relationship. But if you will truly Work on your relationship with God. You will actually press into this friendship with God and let him reveal it to you. I am promising you year after year after year, you will never regret it and your joy meter will grow and grow and grow, but it will be a deeper kind of joy that's not just based on circumstances. It's something that, that just is always there. You hearing me? So yes, joy takes time because friendship with God takes time, but it's well worth the reward. One of the best lines I ever heard regarding true joy actually came from an atheist while I was a missionary at Sac State. He was responding to a Christian on campus who I have no idea because I came into it just at this part. I have no idea how they even got in this conversation. But I guess the Christian had gotten very heated while trying to convert this atheist. And somewhere along the discussion, the Christian decided it was a good idea to blurt out, oh yeah, well I love God. And I just remember the atheist laughed and said, oh yeah? Well then why don't you tell that to your face? Mm-hmm. That went from funny to reflective. It's true. Why does this happen? It's because somewhere along the way we start idolatrizing our idea of Jesus instead of actually spending time with him. Wow. We now go, I have to fight for Jesus. I have to hold on to this. I, la, 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 la. But you're not actually spending time with him. Can I, can I share a secret with you? It's really not, but it makes you tune in. <laughs> Jesus doesn't need your defense. <laughs> the Bible's pretty clear. When he comes back, he's going to have a sword that's going to wipe out all evil in a moment. He doesn't need your help. 
Lay down the weapons. What he would really like, though, is your heart. He would really like your love. He doesn't need it, but he wants it. And if you'll just learn to lay down the fight and just start spending some time with the lamb, you're not gonna need to share your faith very often because you yourself are gonna be a very compelling argument to everybody around you. They are gonna see there's something profoundly different about you. And you're not even trying because you're just spending time with him. So do your face a favor. <laughs> Spend some time with Jesus. <laughs> this leads to condition number three. Condition number one is if you want true joy, you have to know the real Jesus, the real one who died, the real one who rose, the real one who ascended, and the real one who's coming again, as the scriptures teach. Condition number two is when you believe in that Jesus, you get to enter into the most amazing relationship with the most amazing being you'll ever know. And as you foster that relationship, your, your joy is gonna grow because you're gonna feel liked and you're gonna feel loved and that's also gonna have an effect on everybody else around you because everybody else wants that too. Condition number three, you ready? Joy is always available. We have to believe that. We have to believe joy is always available no matter what my circumstances are saying, no matter how my heart is feeling, no matter what I am going through and God is allowing Satan to talk, like, like throw everything at me. I am going to believe joy is always available because God is a happy God. Can you imagine what it would be like to be almighty? Almighty means all power, all power. That means whatever power Satan has, God gave him and lets him have. That's it. So imagine being almighty, like the universe answers to you easily, everything. How happy do you think you'd be all the time? <laughs> do you think there's anything in creation that would threaten you? No. How do you think you'd feel being that powerful? pretty darn good, right? It'd be amazing. Well, that's how God feels all the time. Did you know that there is one creature in all of creation that ruins God's day? It's you. The sun does not ruin God's day. It's very obedient. Praise the Lord. Gravity does not ruin God's day. If you own an animal, that animal does not ruin God's day because whatever the animal's doing is listening to God. Us, however, we're a different story. <laughs> God's like, I have amazing things for you. I am your father. I have such great plans for you. Why are you going over there? Why are you doing that? Why did you say that? You are ruining it. So do you know who bugs God? You and me. I think that's hilarious. That's getting a clap. It's fine. Now, I remember one time I took this to Jesus when, I helped, when he helped me to see that. And I remember I was really repentant and I was like, Jesus, I'm so sorry for ruining your day. If I didn't exist, you'd be so happy. I know, I get like that too. 
And I remember Jesus very, in his humorous way, he's like, Chris, you matter, but you don't matter that much. <laughs> right? Yeah. And what he was in a comical way, just so you know, like, my, my relationship with Jesus, Jesus is quite funny. He has a sense of humor. Otherwise, how in the world does he give you any joy if he ain't joyful himself? Okay? Some of you, you're Jesus. Well, I don't know if that's the true Jesus because he's dark and creepy and not nice to you or anybody else. Let's, like, let him smash that Jesus, like the real Jesus, smash him, and then you can get to know the real Jesus. And he'll smile, tell your face. But I discovered very quickly that um, when I was talking, and the Lord was like, Chris, you matter, you just don't matter that much. There's this crazy thing that's just true all the time at the same time. On a real level, because God loves you, he loves you, he has opened himself up to you. He literally lets your love touch his love and affect him. He doesn't have to, he lets you. You can ruin his day, but then at the exact same time, no, you cannot, because he's a happy God. You matter, you just don't matter that much. But you matter enough that he's willing to come and die for you so that you could participate in his goodness and in his joy and in his love. John says, this was from the beginning. This was from the beginning. Joy was and is and always will be part of God's plan because he himself is a happy God. And his joy is totally and completely available to us through Jesus Christ, his son, who cleanses us so we can experience the Father's joy. Worship team, you can come up. I love joy. But it's not my joy, and it's not the joy of certain things going right. Those are nice too. But I have learned those things let me down pretty fast. The type of joy that I have become intoxicated with is his joy of experiencing and knowing what he experiences knows all the time. And he shares that with me. I'm gonna end on a funny illustration. We're just gonna do one song of worship to spend some time with Jesus. I'd like you to imagine that Jesus is a car wash. Hang with me. Jesus is like a car wash. How many of you know that when you go to the car wash that you get really excited because you know when you go through the car wash what's gonna happen on the other side? You're gonna be clean. He's like, yeah, my car is dirty and it's gonna be clean. Jesus is a car wash. One of the number one things that gets in the way of our joy in the Lord is our filth. Because we go right to the Father, we go into his throne room, like the scripture says, and we go, I need your joy. But too often, we try it without going through the car wash. And if God the Father is as holy and as perfect and as pure as he really is, when you go into his presence like that, what's the only thing you're gonna see and focus on if you're dirty? God, give me joy. But there's blood on my hands. There's a dagger out of my mouth. 
There's stuff clotting up my ears. You see, it's good to get in the presence of God the Father because His holiness reveals the thing that are getting in the way of the joy. But there's only one solution, and it is Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross for us, and it is a free gift, but you gotta go through the car wash. Never ever be afraid of the holy presence of the Father, but absolutely be prepared that it's going to reveal the filth and the weaknesses and the faults. But then that's when you have to remember, why do we go through the car wash? (laughs) Because on the other side of it, we're clean. And how do you feel about your car when it's clean? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you think you're going to feel when your soul is clean? Oh yeah. Now here's the big difference. You ready? When I go to drive my car through a car wash, I'm already excited, I'm ready to do it. Most of the time when I try to do this myself with a father, I'm usually more like, eh, I don't need it this week. <laughs> I'm okay, I could do it later. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit tugs at our hearts that we need Jesus this morning. We need him again and again and again. Uh, One of my favorite quotes that I've been using lately goes like this. The father never tires of forgiving his children. It is his children that tire of asking for forgiveness. Don't tire of recognizing your need for Jesus Christ. And so as we go into the worship time, I encourage you, go through the car wash this morning. Let the Holy Spirit search your hearts like the scripture says and anything that he reveals that's getting in the way, I encourage you just ask for forgiveness. Let the lamb cleanse you with his blood so that when you leave these doors, you are restored with the Father's joy for you this morning. Let's enter into worship.
Christ, that's where it starts. God wants you to experience the best kind of joy you could ever experience your entire life. It's literally the reason you exist. And so that you can know him, your creator and maker and the one who died for you. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, start there. Get to know the real Jesus, the true risen Jesus. Two, if you already know him, work on your friendship. Work on your friendship. Spend some time with him this week. Start talking to him. Even if you're a beginner, this is new for you. Just open your mouth. Just tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what you want. Start activating that prayer life again. And you will find he's going to start revealing himself to you in some magnificent ways. And then three, if you're going through a tough time or a tough time hits, always remember joy is available. God allows hard times to hit because that is your way of practicing those promises. So if you're going through a hard time, no, joy is available to you today. Start asking for it and then believe it and watch it come. Be the persistent widow. I am not giving up. You have joy for me. You said so. And I am not going to believe you're a liar. So you keep going after him. And it says God loves the persistent widow. Or somebody else would say, knock it off. He's like, I want more. Give me more. Believe me for greater things. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your joy through Jesus and the Spirit. We just pray protection and blessings over this week for all of us. That God, when it comes to sharing our faith, Lord, I pray that first we want to spend time with you. That as we spend time with you, that we will begin to look like you. We will begin to show that we know you. And then other people around us will just sense that and want to know what's different. Father God, give us opportunities to share our faith, but from a real place of, this is my Jesus. This is whom I love. He calls me friend. Would you like to be his friend too? So I pray protection and provision and strength for all of God's people this morning, including myself. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here. We'll see you again next week.